probably be Hosea chapter 6, chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And consequently, he says, um, they, I won't accept them as being a priest for me. They've rejected knowledge. I'll reject them as being priests because they have forgotten the law of God. I will forget your children. Uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I've heard many times, and I'm sure you have, that um, we're just one generation away from apostasy. When a generation of people fail to teach their children, then those children grow up and they don't have and don't share the values of Jesus like you did, and then it can be lost. Um, Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, that generation of Joshua, they came in and they conquered the land and fulfilled the promises of God, and yet that very generation of people failed to teach their children. And as a result, we see the book of Judges. Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. And what, what a mess that was. Well, there are two issues that I'd like to deal with, or at least two issues that I'd like to address tonight, that have to do with how we handle the Word of God. Um, there's an issue of our knowledge, and there's an issue of our attitude toward the Bible. And sometimes both need improving, both need work. And uh, I'd like for us to look at that tonight. Back just a few years ago, there was a survey that was taken, and it was among select uh, colleges. It's not a, 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 you know, it wasn't done everywhere, but among these Christian colleges that um, participated in this, they asked the young people in these colleges some Bible questions. Where do you come down on these issues? What, what do you believe about them? Here are some of the questions that were asked. Um, concerning abortion, is abortion right or wrong? 66% said that abortion is wrong, which means that quite a number didn't see that, that it was a problem. Uh, church membership doesn't matter so long as you love God. 65% said, I, I agree with that statement. Adultery is the only biblical reason for divorce. Only 39% among those surveyed agreed with that statement. When they were asked that whether women should never take, should women ever take a leadership role in the worship, 22% said that would be wrong for them to do so. Um, 78% said we have no problem with women in leadership in the public worship. Uh, is it wrong to use mechanical instruments of music in worship? Is that sinful? Only 10% said that's an issue. The rest said there's no, it's, it's not a sin. Uh, those were among college kids that have gone out and they've gone to Christian colleges and those surveyed, that's some of the results that they had. That, that's disturbing when you know what the Bible teaches and to see how contrary uh, their answers were to the Word of God. Another survey that I did, for years I taught a, a Wednesday night high school class, and uh, so I decided on Wednesday night, and, and you know, on Wednesday night you have you know, the, the people that come to all the services, uh, they're there on Wednesday night. And so you would think that you would have among the cream of the crop, you know, not those that just 
go on Sunday to fulfill an obligation. They're, they're, they're the ones that are really trying to get Bible knowledge. I gave them a, a, a test. And here are some of the answers, and here are some percentages that um, I found from these Wednesday nights, kids that have grown up through a Bible school program, and now they're in high school, and here were their results. 56% of them did not know how many books there were in the Bible. Half, more than half of these Wednesday night Bible class goers didn't know how many books the Bible had. 68% of them couldn't say the books of the Bible. Um, and I didn't ask them to say it, so I wonder if they had to say it, if that number would have raised uh, significantly uh, without you know somebody just saying, oh yeah, I know those. I, I wonder if they did. 96% could not name the Ten Commandments. 96% didn't know why Israel had to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. They had no idea. Um, 60% did not know the name of the man who betrayed Jesus. 64% did not know who was thrown in the lion's den. When uh, asked what husband and wife were struck dead for lying, the most popular answer I got was Adam and Eve. When asked who Pilate released in place of Jesus, the most popular answer I got was John the Baptist. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Did you know the Apostle Paul did, according to their survey? Who was thrown into a fiery furnace? I told them there were three of them. And they said the most popular answer I was given was Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Um, I'm just glad it wasn't Mo, Curly, and Larry. I, I, but, you know, we're headed that direction. It, it just kept getting worse, and I was shocked. Because these are Bible-going kids. They, they've gone up through a Bible school program. They've gone to Bible school all their life. It, not just Sunday morning, but they came Wednesday nights. And they don't know anything about the Bible. And I thought, how in the world have we got? It's not that their teachers haven't taught them. It's not that the church has not taught them all those things. Because I know they had. I think what was happening was they weren't getting emphasis at home on these things. There wasn't stressed in their homes the importance of retaining that knowledge like you would your math homework, your English homework, your social studies homework. The same emphasis and concern wasn't given. I sometimes wondered, you know, do, do you, as a parent, ever ask your children, did you get your homework done? I, I wonder if parents ever ask their children, did you get your Bible lesson done? Are you prepared for class? What did you study about? What did you talk about? But here's a generation of young people who are growing up, and they don't have knowledge of God's Word. And I'll tell you, when you don't have a knowledge of God's Word, in the book, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warns us, if you don't have a solid foundation, the storms of life will rage, and when they do, your foundation will crumble. 
and your faith will be destroyed. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, statistics say 60% of our young people are falling by the wayside after graduation from college or graduation from high school, rather. I don't know about the accuracy of that, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that were a number roughly close to what's actually taking place. And the reason is they don't have a foundation. They don't know how to answer. They don't know what the Bible says. And, and so they're swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So how do we fix that? And not only that, but the second part of this problem is what about the attitude toward the Bible? Is it what it should be? I remember studying, teaching a high school class a number of years ago, and one of the, uh, we, we quoted a verse, and then audibly, a boy in the Bible class said, I hate that verse. I was shocked. I mean, I can't imagine someone saying, I hate what God said. I, and I looked at him and said, say what? What, what? what did you just say? And he said, I hate that verse because I love to do whatever that verse was condemning. He said, I love to do that. And so I hate that verse in the Bible. There's a disrespect that exists for the Word of God. And when my will conflicts with His will, His will gets put, you know, in the back seat. And, and I don't submit to it. So those are two problems. Number one, we don't know the Word of God. And sometimes when we do know the Word of God, we, we don't respect it. So how do we fix that? How do we make sure that that doesn't happen here with our young people or with ourselves? I think we have a pretty good remedy uh, listed in Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, open it to the book of Nehemiah and turn to chapter 8. And I want us to read there uh, through the first six verses and then we'll make some comments. Nehemiah chapter 8. Let's begin reading. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him were a bunch of names that I'm not going to begin to try to pronounce uh, but let's go on down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is a period of revival in Israel's history. They had been hauled away into captivity for 70 years in Babylonian captivity, and they've come back. And for 70 years, they have not been able to practice their religion as they were supposed to do it, because they were, they were exiles. They, they weren't in Jerusalem. They couldn't do the things that God told them to do. And now they're back. And so what are we going to do? 
We're back home. After 70 years, we're free. We're back home. Let's get our religion going again. And so I want you to notice some things that took place that need to take place today. Number one, the the people called this meeting. Don't you find that interesting? Look at what it says in chapter 8 and verse 1. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law. Isn't that interesting? You know, you know how you would make a preacher's day if you called him or you would make the leaders of the church, the elders of the church, if you called them and said, can we have a Bible study? Can we learn more? Can we have this? Can we? It wasn't the preacher. It wasn't Ezra the scribe saying, guys, come on. We need to get together. Come, come. It's Wednesday night. We're going to have this Bible study. Would you all please come? We're going to open the word of God and study. It wasn't him begging people to come to attend. It was the people who told the scribe, we want to learn about God's word. That's what we need today. To put it in another way, uh, we need, as Matthew 5 and verse 6 says, we need people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need people, hey, have you ever been hungry? Probably not many of us have been really hungry, but all of us get to that point where we say, man, I want something to eat. What if we felt that way about the Word of God? When we went just a little while without having God's Word contemplated or read or studied, we begin to say, I've got to do this. You know, it's it's wearing on me. That's, That's what we need. We need people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who don't have to be begged and coerced and, and prodded to come and to study. They want to. If you want to fix the problem of ignorance, if you want to fix the problem of a lack of respect for the Word of God, we need, first of all, to have a people who want to know what God's Word says. They hunger and thirst for it. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, on that occasion, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Teach us how to pray. They wanted to know. It wasn't Jesus saying, now guys, sit down. I got to tell you something. It was them who came to Jesus and said, teach us. Well, that's what we need. A second thing that I see in this account is that the people listened. Look at what it says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law of God. They listened. They didn't zone out. They didn't go on a mental vacation. Do we ever do that? You you know, when the preacher's talking, do you ever kind of, let's see, what, what, what do I have to do now next week? I've got to get this and this. And, oh, yeah, there was this. And, or maybe you just go into fantasy land. You know, imagine if we were on vacation. What, what could we be doing? Your, your mind can go a thousand places. These people were attentive to the law of God. That's what we need. We need people who want to hear it. And then when it's spoken, they listen. It's not just, well, as Jesus described in Matthew chapter 13, 
uh, beginning in verse 13 or verse 14, going through verse 16, he, he talked about the Pharisees and he said, you know what, their ears, they're, they're dull of hearing. Um, their eyes, they, they can't see with them. And, and their, their um, hearts, they, they, they've grown dull. Even though they hear, they, they weren't listening. They weren't paying attention. But these people, they wanted to know, and when they were told, they listened. You know how many times I've had people come to me, um, hundreds of times, come to me, and, and maybe they respond on a Sunday, and, and they say, you know what, what you said was, well, you were speaking to me. You, well, I wasn't. Well, I was, but I wasn't. I hadn't singled anybody out. But they were listening, and the conviction of God's Word happened in their lives. And that's what we need, people who will listen. Also, a third thing that I see from this passage is that the people had respect for the Word of God. Do you see that in verse 5? Look at what it says. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. We have traditions, and traditions are fine. Usually during the service, we'll have a time when we stand up and sing a song. Um, when's the last time you stood up for the Scripture reading? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been to a congregation where they say, all right, the Scripture reading is such and such, please stand? I've been to congregations that do that. Um, and, and why do they do that? Just to wear people out and give you a chance to stretch your legs? Is that what it's all about? I think there's more to it than that. It's an act of respect. And, and I've said this before, but I, and this is just my own little, uh, thing that I, I, may be something to it, may not be, but I've often wondered about the respect we show to God during preaching and reading the scripture as opposed to prayer. Have you ever noticed that? Do you think if somebody needs to get up and go out while I'm, now I'm going to make everybody, all the little kids, you're going to make them sit for the rest of the service tonight. But have you ever noticed how sometimes there's just constant traffic while the preacher's talking? But when we say prayer, what do we do? We stop dead in our tracks wherever we are and we bow our heads and we pray. And I wonder, could that be because in prayer we're talking to God and we want to make sure he hears that? Because we're talking to him, but in reading and preaching, he's talking to us. And I don't know that I care all that much about that. I just want to make sure he hears my prayers. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But there was great respect when he read from the book of the law, the people stood up, which shows the respect that they had. And we need to have that kind of respect. I can't fathom saying, oh, I hate that verse. But there are people who don't love the Word of God, don't have respect for it. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, Paul gave thanks to those in Thessalonica because they received the Word of God not as it was the Word of men, not as the Word of men, but as it was indeed or in truth is the Word of God. You can treat men's advice differently than you can the advice of God. I can take or leave what you say, but I can't do that with the Word of God. I have to have more respect for it than that. Here's the next point. The people were humble before God. Look at chapter 8 and verse 6. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. 
And they lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Doesn't that remind you of Luke chapter 18, that that publican, that sinner, who when he prayed, he just beat his chest. He wouldn't even so much as look to heaven. He kept his head down, a, a sign of humility. These people wouldn't look up to heaven. They bowed their heads as a sign of humility before God. And then finally, look at um, the last point. God's word was presented in a way that it could be understood. Look at chapter 8, verse 8. I didn't go on down that far in reading, but so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Now that's, that's what teaching involves. That's what preaching should entail. We should read distinctly. We should give the sense and help people to understand. If we do that, we'll be fulfilling what God wants us to do. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, when, when this prophecy came through the prophet Habakkuk about the destruction and so forth that was going to take place uh, at the hands of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, he said, make this so plain that the person running can read it. This is what Nehemiah is doing, Ezra is doing in the book of Nehemiah. They read it. They gave the sense, they made it clear, and helped them to understand the meaning. If we're to stop the trend of ignorance that will destroy us, if we're to avoid what happened to the children of Israel, as was described in Hosea, where God says, you know what, I'm going to reject you as my people because you've rejected my word. Your your ignorance has destroyed you. Because you don't choose to know what I say, I don't choose to have you as my people. If we're to stop that from happening, we need to have and possess the attitude that we see in this grassroots revival in the book of Nehemiah. I don't think if the church is to be changed, it's going to change from the preacher, the elders. I think it's going to take a grassroots movement where the people say, we've got to do something and demand that it be done. When the people rise up, when families rise up and say, this is not acceptable for my children to know this little about God's word. When it's not acceptable to be so wrong about so many biblical truths. When we realize that we've got to do better and parents rise up and say, we want to know, tell us the truth. Tell us what God wants us to do and to be and to do with our lives. Then attitudes will change toward the word of God. Then knowledge will increase of the word of God. But until then... We'll continue that downward slide in many places that we see throughout the land. Like I said, I'm thankful for the Bible school program that we have here. Children go through, they they get the Word of God. They're taught, and we have over a 100 people that are dedicated to the task of training children to grow up and to know Jesus, and they aren't even their children, but they're investing so much of themselves in other people's children because it's that important to them. 
I'm thankful to God that we have a church that stresses that and does that and does it well. But not everybody is there. And what we need to do is to make sure that we don't fall into that, well, as the Lord said to Amos, woe unto them who are at ease in Zion. We, we don't ever want to get content. We don't want to ever think we've arrived. There's always more to learn, more to study, more ways to conform our will into the image of Jesus Christ. Let's be about that task. Let's desire to learn more of God's Word. Let's, when we learn it, give heed to it, give attention to it, and let's love it and respect it and hold it in high place, in our, a high place in our lives. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, right, here's where you start. You want to show God you respect Him? You want to humble yourself before Him? You want to show Him that you're serious about putting into practice what He says and honoring Him and His Word? Well, do it by obeying Him. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that tonight and show God you're serious. You want to do what's right. You want to follow what truth you learn. And as you learn more, you do more. But that's where you need to start tonight, if that's where you are. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, and maybe there's some things you need to change. Maybe you haven't been taking your Christian walk as you should. Maybe you haven't studied. Maybe you haven't respected the Word of God like you should. Uh, and you want to do better. And maybe you want to repent for not doing that in the past and seek the prayers of others. We'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.